you have your outlines, open them up just for a minute. I want to mention just briefly why we're here today. We are not here today for Yaman's Bat Mitzvah. We are here today to worship God. That's why we come every Saturday, because we want to worship God. Um, we, are, we have a relationship with God, and as Steve always says, and I always say, if you've put your trust in Messiah, and you've accepted him into your heart and your life, it's not traditions, it's not prayers, it's not all the prayers that our people say, by, but it's by personal faith in Yeshua the Messiah that you accept him into your life, and you become a believer, and you have a relationship with God. You know him and worship him. So we come here today, one, because we know him, and we can worship him. You say other people in the world can worship him. I guess they can, but they don't really know him until you accept the Lord. We come here today to praise him. We praise him in all kinds of ways, through dancing, through prayers, through the reading of God's word. This is a day that we first and above all things always honor God. We celebrate today. We celebrate God. We celebrate new relationship that we have with God, personal relationship with God. And we celebrate Children putting their trust and faith in Messiah. Children sometimes do it at young ages, three, four, or five. We wonder, you know, when they really accept the Lord. We don't know. But when they get up here, we want to make sure that they've accepted the Messiah. Um, sometimes people have come to me and said, can we do a bar bat mitzvah? And I said, is your child a believer? And they say, no. And I said, we don't do parties. Although tonight we will party. <laughs> the important thing is what she did up here telling you that she believes in her Messiah. So we come to celebrate. We come to declare our faith in Messiah. And so today's a, a time of rejoicing. In your outline, there's, there's two things, uh, the two messages really that are supposed to be done today. One is a special message. And if you have your outlines, you fill it out. A special message to Yaman. And I'm going to share, talk to her if you don't mind. You could listen if you want. But I, I want to speak to you, sweetie special for you. And then I want to just repeat what she said as well. So a message to her and a message from her. The first thing I want to say to you, honey, um, actually, uh, Andrew and I were talking this week in the office, and we don't want to compare our children to anybody. We don't want to say, be like somebody else, because they're all unique. Everyone is unique. Every child's unique, and you're unique too, honey. But we want to hold up super uh, ideals and super people who are special. And I want to encourage you today, and I picked three, uh, three women in the Bible, and I want you to hear me. You're going to forget a lot of what happens today, but I want you to hear. First one, and you can fill it in. First one that I like to just tell you to be like is to be like Rebecca. And I'll tell you, explain that. Not my Rebecca, the Rebecca in the Bible. Rebecca had a special servant's heart. This woman in the Bible, let me just give you a quick background. There was Abraham, God called Abraham, and Abraham at the age of 75 traveled to the land of Israel, and then when he was 86, he hadn't had a child yet, and so he had a child through Hagar named Ishmael, but that wasn't the promised child, and, God, and Abraham waited for the promised child. And finally, 13 years later, when Abraham was 99, Sarah was 89. They conceived and they had a child when Abraham was 100 and Sarah was 90. That child was Isaac, and he was a special child of God from Abraham and Sarah. And so when Isaac grew up a little bit, it was, late, it was time later on for Abraham to find a bride for Isaac. So he told his servant, go to my family's house in a foreign land and find a special girl. God will lead you to that special girl. 
though they didn't know who that was. And so the servant went to a foreign land, hundreds of miles away. He followed Abraham's advice. And the servant went and he found a special girl. Her name was Rebecca. And let me just show you why she was special. Follow along. If you have, or follow along up uh, on the overhead probably. In Genesis chapter 24, yes. The servant made a special prayer. Remember, the servant was in Israel. He went hundreds of miles away. And the servant said, he said, O Lord God of my master. The servant was saying, God of Abraham. Please grant me success today. Show me favor, loving kindness, your loving kindness to my master Abraham. He was looking for the right girl. He didn't know. He went to a foreign land, found a family. And he's saying, which girl? Who do I pick? Where is she? God was working to find a special girl. And it said, now may it be that the girl to whom I say, please let down your jar so that I may have a drink. And who answers, drink. And I will also feed or drink, uh, serve your camels. So he's, his prayer was, I'm going to go, Lord, the girl I asked, can you give me a drink? And she says, here's a drink. And I'm also going to give water for the camels. That's the girl. That was a big request. We, don't, we might not realize it, but I'll show you why in a minute. So he said, the girl says that, may she be the one whom you picked, God, for your servant Isaac, Abraham's son. And by this I will know that you have shown me loving kindness to my master. Find that right girl. I'm going to say to her, give me a drink. And she's going to say, here, take a drink. And I'm going to feed the camels as well. We go on. Genesis 24, verse 15. Before he'd finished speaking, I love this when you're reading the scripture because you see the hand of God in all this. As his prayer, as he's saying this prayer, and we don't realize sometimes, as you're praying, God's already answering it. God's already, because God knows all things, as she said in Psalm 139. And so as you're praying, you don't even know God's behind the scene working in your life, working in someone else's life, and working in Abraham's life, working in the servant's life, and over here he's working in people's lives. We never see that, but we can trust God to do it. So while he's praying, God sends the answer. And it says, before, before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor, came out with a jar on her shoulder. All of a sudden, he's praying, Lord, send the right girl. I'll ask her a drink. She'll give me a drink. She'll also say, I'm going to serve the camels as well. And as he's saying that, a girl pops in by the name of Rebekah. And I'm asking you to be like that, Rebekah. What was so special about her? Well, follow along. Genesis 24, verse 17. Then the servant ran to meet her. And he said, please, let me drink a little water from your jar. She said, drink, my Lord. And she quickly lowered her jar from her hand, gave it to him. Now, when he had finished, uh, when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw also for your camels until, until they are finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into uh, the trough there, and she ran and went to the well to draw, and she drew for all his camels. Now, that, that's significant. Most people don't understand how significant. Those of you who have been to Israel, we always talk about camels. Camels are unique animals. And so not only did she say, I will get a bucket and give you a drink to the servant, but I'm going to give a drink to your camel. They tell me camels can go a month on the desert with no water. You know how much they have to drink ahead of time? Camels can drink so much. And to, f- to have that camel drink, and then you just got to go back to the well, get some more, go back and get that, get some more. That's for one camel. But I want you to see this verse, G- Genesis 24, 10. Then the servant 
took. Everyone, how many camels? That's absurd, how many camels. Ten camels she's gone to serve from the camels of his master and sat out with a variety of good things of his master in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor. Not only did this woman, Rebecca, he said, can you give me a drink? Not only should I give you a drink, but I'm going to go and give this camel until he's finished. Then I'm going to go back and I'm going to feed that second camel. I don't know how long that must have taken. Just on and on and on. And what I think about Rebecca is that I heard this preacher, because I, I told, took it from him. They tell me, if you steal something from someone, always give them the credit. The second time you do it, just say, you heard it said somewhere. The third time you say it, say it's yours. Anyway, but anyway, I did hear this preacher say. He called this the and then some principle. When someone asks you to do something, just don't do it. Go way beyond. This shows Rebecca's heart. Someone said, can you do this? She said, sure, do this, and I'll do this, and I'll do this, and I'll do this. She was such a special, unique person in the Bible. And that's what I think, that I think one of the great women of God in the Bible has a servant's heart. Serve people, and God will bless you as well. Rebecca is the first one I ask you to be like. Second, second person here is the girl named Miriam. We know Miriam in the Bible. Miriam had a caring, loving heart. Which Miriam am I talking about? I'm talking about the, uh, Moses' sister, Miriam. In the Bible, we see she's introduced in the book of Exodus. Now, those of you who don't know, let me just set the scene here. I'm telling Yaman to be like Miriam. Miriam cared for the people, loved the people, watched over her brother. You watch over your big sister and your family. She had a caring, loving heart. She always, like Rebecca, served. So did she serve, but she also always looked out for her people and protected her people. See, all these women of the Bible always put God first. Miriam did what God wanted her to do. And so we see in the book of Exodus, let me, let me summarize real quickly for you, just so we have time, the whole book of Genesis, okay? You have a lot of time. All right, let me summarize. You know how I summarize the book of Genesis. Eight words, everybody? Really? Here we go. Creation, fall, flood, nations, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. That's the whole book of Genesis. Just summarize it for you, okay? I, I just give you uh, an overview of it. But when we get to the book of Exodus now, Israel is now a, a, a nation, and they're down in Egypt, and Pharaoh gives the Jewish people burdens and hardships and difficulties, and he wants to destroy the Jewish people in the book of Exodus chapter 1. And so he makes, he, he wants to get rid of them, and he gives them burdens, like I said, and labors. And then he says, what we're going to do is take the firstborn child and drown them in the Nile. If it's a girl, let her live. If it's a boy, we're going to kill him. But that doesn't take place. The midwives don't do that. And finally, one family, a special family, Levites, have a special son, and it says he's beautiful. Follow along in the story here. We see uh, the story is found in Exodus chapter 2. Moses is born. It says, now a man from the house of Levi went and married, I can't see my own notes, went and married a daughter of Levi. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. She decided she's not going to kill her child, but she's going to hide him for three months. 
But when she could not hide him no longer, she got a wicker basket and covered it over with tar and pitch. Then she put the child uh, into it and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. Let it loose. Let it go. And she, I guess her mother, was trusting that God would watch over the basket and Moses inside. Verse 4. But it says, But his sister stood at a distance, sent Miriam. She followed her little brother. She obeyed her parents. She followed her brother in the Nile. Actually, she was risking her life at that point. And it says, But his sister stood at a distance to find out what would happen to him. She was watching over. She took a special stand. She, re, uh, she respected her parents. She protected her brother. She was responsible. She was caring. And she watched over her family. Exodus chapter 2. I want you to see verse 5. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the Nile with her maidens alongside the Nile. And she saw the basket among the reeds. And she sent her maids. And she brought it out to her. So in the reeds, you see a basket. And a little girl named Miriam's hiding, taking her life in her hands, watching over her brother to find out what's going to happen. And the Pharaoh's daughter comes and finds a special basket. Miriam's hiding. She obeyed her parents. She respected her parents. She loved her brother. She was caring, and she was taking her life in her hands here. And it says, verse uh, four, uh, 6, And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the boy was crying. She had pity on him and said, this is one of the Hebrew children. And I try, I'm trying to picture the scene, even this week as I was preparing this. It says, then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, where did she come? Out of nowhere. You got all of the Egyptians. You got the Egyptian people and the guards and the, and the women and a basket there. And all of a sudden, this little Hebrew girl, Miriam, pops out. Now, if I was, who are you? Where are you coming from? She was brave. Actually, I grew up brave, courageous, and bold. Some of you understand that. But anyway, she was really brave. She jumped out there and she was watching over her brother. And, she, and Pharaoh's daughter actually, actually said, you know, in a sense, who are you? And it says, so she went out and she said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse for you? I'll help you. I'll call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you. Intelligent girl, because she knew what she was going to do. And we read, finally, verse 8, Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go ahead. So the girl went and called the mother's, the child's mother. Boy, this Miriam was smart. Jumped out. She watched over Moses, watched over the basket. Took the situation in her own head. Young girl, actually, calls her an Alma. And so she was very, very careful and intelligent and wise. And she was really working the situation so that Moses' mother would actually be the nurse of Moses. And she did that. And she was protecting, watching over her brother. The amazing thing is that Miriam was so special. Caring, loving, watching over her brother. She grew up to be a woman of God. We see her again in the Bible 80 years later. What did she do in those 80 years later? Let me tell you. She watched over. She cared for her people. She trusted her God. She was brave, courageous, bold, and loved God with all her heart. Loved her people. See, Rebecca served. Miriam cared for and led the people. How do we know? Great, great finish. Here, which mentions Miriam. 80 years later, Exodus chapter 15. This is 80 years later. Moses just led the people through the Red Sea, delivered them from Israel, got to the other side. They sang a praise, a song, and they sang this song. 
uh, Exodus 15. Then Moses and the sons of Israel sang this song to the Lord and said, I will sing to the Lord, for God is highly exalted. The horse and the rider he's hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my father's God, and I will extol him. So the picture is that Moses led them out of Egypt, led them down to the Mount Sinai, got the, he, he led them through the Red Sea. He got them through the Red Sea, got on the other side. Egypt was defeated. Moses and all the people sang a song. And after the song, all of a sudden, we see somebody else. Verse 20, Miriam the prophetess. The prophetess means she spoke for God. Her whole life, starting when she was about your age, when she was watching over her brother, when she was following her parents, when she was loving and caring for her people. That's what she knew all along. And she got a little older and she spoke for God because she put him first. Caring and loving people. That's what you are. You're special. And God wants you to be a servant. God wants you to care for your family and your people. And God wants you, more than anything else, to speak for him. And that's what she did at the end of the rest of her life. And it says, and it says, Miriam the prophetess, Aaron's sister, took the timbrel in her hand and the women went and followed her after her with timbrels and with dancing. Miriam answered them, said, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and the rider he is hurled into the sea. So Miriam became a leader in Israel. And now I'm telling you to be like Rebecca, to serve God, to be a servant to people, to be like Miriam, to be a leader. God will use you. As you put him first, he will use you. And finally, third, last girl, I want woman is a woman, I want you to be like Ruth. Ruth is a special person in the Bible. Real special person. There's so many special women in the Bible. But Ruth more than, probably most people, I think Ruth really trusted God. First of all, she wasn't Jewish. She was a Moabite. She was a, a foreigner. And in the times of Ruth, in Israel, it's the time of the period of the judges. It's from about 1,400 to about 1,000. And the Bible says, the, summarizing Israel at that time, everyone was doing that which was right in his own eyes. There was, it was lawlessness, and everyone was doing their own thing. And Israel had turned away from God. And God raised up special people, what they called judges. And one of the last judges we see is in the book of Ruth. And all of a sudden, the book of Ruth begins with a man by the name of Elimelech. Everyone? Elimelech? No, don't say it. Okay. Elimelech. And his wife, Naomi. And their two sons, Kilian and Malam. Ooh, I didn't think I could remember that. Okay, those four. And they're in the land of Israel, and there's a famine. So they said, let's leave Israel because there's no food in Israel. Let's go to Moab across the Jordan on the other side. So those four went over there. And when they get over there, Naomi, uh, Naomi and her husband, Elimelech, and the two sons, Malam and Kilian, they married two women, one by the name of Orpha, one by the name of Ruth. And they were living over there, and they had food there. In Israel, there was a famine. In Israel, they had turned away from God. And then in a the couple years over there in Moab, some horrible things happened. Naomi lost her husband. Elimelech, he died. Malon died. Kilian died. Naomi had nothing. And then she had these two foreign women, Orpha and, oh, oh, Orpha. Oh, Orpha and uh, Ruth, the two women. And Orpha left. I keep thinking Oprah. No, Orpha left. And Ruth stood by her. They had nothing. Naomi was empty. No hope for the future. No husband. No children. Had one foreign woman by the name of Ruth from Moab 
No hope for the future at all. And the, and the question you ask yourself, this woman who had no hope in Ruth chapter 1, is there a God? Does he still have a purpose and a plan? Everything's going wrong. There's no hope, no security, no future for these people. And that's the, that's the, time, that's the times when you see in Ruth chapter 1, follow along. And so these two that are left at the end, uh, Naomi, and she says, lifted up their voices and they wept again. And Orpha kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. One woman went back, one woman went back to her people in Moab. But Ruth, Ruth said, no, no, no. I'm sticking with you, Naomi. And Naomi says, not me. I have nothing. I have nothing to offer you. Don't have a husband, don't have a future, don't have a hope. I have nothing. I've lost it all. God must have cursed me, Naomi must have thought. And she said, then she said, behold, your sister-in-law, she's going back to her people. You go. Go back to your people and your gods, Ruth. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, no, do not urge me, famous words, to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I'm going to go. Where you lodge, I'm going to lodge. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. A foreigner, someone who came from a foreign land. Sounds familiar. She came to the land of Israel, and she said, I'm going to follow your God. And we read, she says, your people will be my people, your God, my God. And then she says, where you die, I'm going to die. And where you be buried, I'll be buried. Thus may God, the Lord, do to me and worse, if anything but death parts you and me. When she saw, when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said she didn't say anything to her anymore. In a sense, Naomi and Ruth really were giving up it all. Ruth was giving up everything. It's when I think of this, I marvel how a woman can just say, I'm going to give up everything and just follow God. You know, that's what I say every week to all the adults. It's hard to say it to kids, because at your age, it's hard to say, I'm going to follow God my whole life. Here's my friends and my peers, and I want to be like them. I want to look like them. I want to dress like them. And I challenge kids, children, women, young women, to be, follow God. Above all things, he will be your reward. I tell the adults that. They don't get the picture. Kids don't get the picture. And I preach it every week that if you follow God, he will honor you, and he will bless you. Get under God's wings. Get under God's protection. Ruth said, Naomi, you have nothing. Your husband's gone. My husband's gone. There's no hope for me. I'm going to follow your God, no matter what. She trusted. That's what she did. And as a young woman, I'm asking you to be like Ruth and trust God like her. Follow along in the story. The story is in uh, Ruth chapter 2. She trusted only God. Boaz replied one of the men in the fields of Bethlehem he replied and said to her all that you've done for your mother-in-law Ruth everything you've done for Ruth after the death of your husband has been fully reported to me and how you left your father your mother in the land of your birth and you came to a people you did not know previously you left that you came to a people you didn't know you came to a God you didn't know everything you didn't know May the Lord reward your work. It's a very important verse in the book of uh, Ruth, chapter 2, verse 12. May God reward and bless you. 
May he reward your work and your wages be full from the Lord, the God of Israel, whose wings you have come to seek refuge. You have left your world. You left everything to come under the protection of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You, Ruth, are risking everything to follow him. And you don't even know him. You aren't even brought up with him. So Ruth left it all. And finally, God gave her the reward. Follow along. In Ruth chapter 4, at the end of the book, what happens is, everyone, some of you know, most of you do not know, Ruth, they did find a close kinsman, redeemer, someone who decided, who was in the line, in the right line, and he married Ruth. And at the end of the book, look what it says. This is, the writer wants us to see this. Ruth chapter 4. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And, she, uh, and he went into her, and the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son, this woman who had nothing, no hope, no future, no security. She gave birth to a son, Ruth. Then the woman came to Naomi and said, The Lord has blessed you. He's not left you without a redeemer, a special one today. And may his name become famous in Israel. Naomi, your daughter-in-law Ruth has had a child. May God work in his child. Ruth, we don't know the future, but I think God is starting to bless you, Ruth. You got a husband. You got a child. We don't know what's going to be of the child. But God, you see, you took your chances with God. You followed God. And now Ruth had a child. What was that child? Follow along with me. That's a special child, too. Ah, that's the good. Okay. Ruth chapter 4. Follow along. May he also be the restorer of life, this child, a special child, and a restorer of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than seven sons, and seven is God's perfect number. You always see in Scripture seven sons as a sign of tremendous blessing. God has blessed Naomi. God has blessed Ruth. Here comes the blessing. It's a special blessing. You want to know what it is. Then Naomi took the child, laid him in her lap, and he became his nurse. The the neighbor women gave him a name and said, a son has been born to Naomi. And all the sadness and all this bleakness and all this no hope and no security, Naomi finally had a grandchild, a son. The neighbor said, they gave him a name. The son had been born to Naomi. So they named him Obed. It doesn't sound too special to have a son by the name of Obed, but follow along. Obed then, a few years later, he is the father of a man by the name of Jesse. And Jesse was the father of King David. Ruth, God rewarded her, made her a special woman in the Bible. The Bible tells us Messiah himself came from Ruth, the rewards. You see, if we trust God and put him first, God will reward us as well. So, Yaman, I'm telling you today, I would love to see you grow up, and you will. It's amazing how we watch. I just remember when you first came, and I wanted I, oh, I forgot. I wanted to thank Andrew and Nancy, special, for what you've done in bringing two, two sweethearts here to our congregation. And so, Yaman, I'm telling you, I'd like you to follow in the footsteps of a Rebecca who only served, who only cared for people. I want you to follow in the steps of Miriam, a leader in Israel, who spoke for God and cared for her people. I want you to be like Ruth, who always trusted God first. She didn't just put her trust in him, as you have, 
but she followed him her whole life. So that's my message to you, sweetheart, to be like that. And what she said to you, I just want to repeat. Everybody, just follow along. What did she say? She took one of the great Psalms in the Bible. Psalm 139. Those of you who don't know it, those of you here, as soon as you hear Psalm 139, you should say, oh, great Psalm. The Psalm is one of the great Psalms in all this. They're all great, but 139 should jump out at you. The first six verses tell us something special about God's nature, who he is. It tells us that he knows everything. And the theological term we say for that is God is omniscient. He knows all. He knows the past, the present, the future. He knows what was, what could be, what had. And David is writing it, as she said. And the first six verses just follow along a couple things, saying how brilliant and how, how much God knows. Verse 1 in Psalm 139 says, Oh Lord, you've searched me, you've known me. And David is saying, God, you search me, you know me, you know everything about me. You know what's amazing is that God knows your thought, that next thought. Ah, God knew what you just said to yourself. Ah, no, that, he knew that too. He knows your thoughts before you say them. You can't trick him. You can't outmaneuver him. Because he always knows. He knows everything. We can't conceive what that is. All-knowing. Again, omniscience. And David says it. You know when I sit down, he's not just saying, of course, I see when you sit down. You know when I sit down, you know when I rise up. You understand my thoughts from afar more than anybody. You scrutinize, you examine my path, my lying down. You're intimately acquainted with all my ways. You know everything I'm going to do. God, you know everything. It's really beautiful to know that we can trust a God like that. And David says, even before there's a word on my tongue, behold, Lord, oh, Lord, you know it all. Such knowledge, it's too wonderful for me. I can't understand. It's too high. I can't attain to it. David's life, he knew it. God knew everything about it. See, what this is trying to say is that God knows all your suffering. God knew your suffering in an orphanage. He didn't forget you. He knew what you were going through. He knew when you didn't have food. David is saying the same thing. David is saying, God knew me when Saul was after me and trying to kill me. David's saying, God knew me when Absalom was trying to kill me. Jeremiah said, God knew him when he was in his womb. Actually, he might have said even before I was in my mother's womb. God knows it all. And that's what David is saying here. God knows everything. He knew us before. And the beautiful thing about that, God had a plan for Yaman. It's not over. It's just beginning. God knows it all. And it's so beautiful to know that God can know my thoughts from afar. This is speaking about God's omniscience. He knows everything. He knows our suffering. But second thing I want you to see in the psalm, not only is God what they call omniscient, but he's what we call omnipresent. It means he's everywhere. God is everywhere. And these are just big theological terms. Omniscience means he knows everything. He knows everything you're doing. And then David says, he's everywhere. You can't get away from him. What's that? You can run, but you can't hide. You can't get away from him. And David said that. Everywhere David went, God was there. David was hiding in the cave. God was there. Everywhere he went. Look what it says. Great psalm. Where can I go from your spirit? I can't get away from you, God. Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, God's there. If I, he says, if I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, the grave, you're there. 
behold, you're there. If I take the wings of the dawn and fly, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. God is always there. God is everywhere. And then when you don't think, see, when, when we picture the Jewish people in slavery in Egypt and suffering, we say, God can't be there. Of course he was there. God knows their suffering. God understood. God was there as well. And the beautiful thing, when you think about this, wherever David went, wherever he was running and hiding, God was with him. In a far land called, how do you say it? Abijah? I can't say it. Okay. When, God, when she was there, God was with her. The beautiful thing, he had a plan for a special girl. She didn't know it. God loves and was caring for her and was with her, even through that difficult time. The beautiful thing is, God was not only with you there, he was with two people over here saying, maybe we should go get a child and adopt a child. And God was working with Nancy and Andrew to go over to that land. But the beautiful thing, we have a great God who loves us. He was with them, working on their thoughts. He was with you, working with you. God had a plan to bring you all together because he's everywhere. You can't escape him. And that's what he's saying. God's with us wherever we go. I think in my own life, before I became a believer, running around in Philadelphia, God was with me. We don't think it all the time, but he's there. Number three in this psalm, it's a great, great, great psalm. One, God knows everyone. God knows everything. Two, God is everywhere. Omniscience, omnipresence. But three, follow along. God is omnipotent. Everyone say those words, right? Say omniscience. Omniscience. You sound theological. That's good. Knows all things. God is omnipresent. Omnipresent. Means he's everywhere. Here we go. Omnipotent. All-powerful. God is powerful, can do everything. God can manipulate, and I don't use that in a bad sense. God can work the situation to make sure those parents got there, found that child. God has the power to create. I love in the Bible, I think it's either in Job or Ecclesiastes, he said, we think we can do things, but you don't even know how the bones in a body are formed. God is forming bones in the body. God has all power to create to bring about deliverance and salvation. That's what he did for David. Psalm 139, verse 13 and 14. David says, You formed me in my innermost parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. uh, Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. Your eyes have seen... I love these verses. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance. God knew me. God was with me. God had power. Before I was formed. Before I was conceived. What what amazing God we have. Wouldn't it be nice to know him? I do. I hope you do. By putting your trust in him, you can know him. And, And David says, he says, my unformed substance, when in your book they were all written the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not one of them. Before I was formed, before I was created, God already had your whole life. He knew your whole life. Doesn't mean you don't make decisions, but God knew it all, everything. There's another one of the Psalms that says, God puts your tears in his bottle. He watches your tears. He watches over you. When there was nothing, God knew it all. 
God had all power. So he created you. He formed you. He had you grow up in an orphanage. He had two special people come. Took you to America. And then God taught you a language. Gave you a family. Gave you friends. And then the Lord said, now let me tell you who it is who's been leading your whole life. I created you, made you, and I saved you. Why? So you will serve me forever. It's a beautiful picture. Psalm 139 is just so incredible. It says, if I should count how many times you think about me, Lord, where is it? How precious are your thoughts to me, O God? How vast is the sum of them? If I should count them, they would, be, they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. God has done something special. He created you. He saved you. He taught you about him. And then you put your trust in him. Now you know him. Well, the last thing in the psalm. God is saying, now that you know me, let me search your heart. And let me have you live your life for me. People don't realize our purpose in life. I love that. I don't have it up there. But here's, here's one of my themes in my life that I wish it could be uh, at the end of my life. In the book of Acts, it says, David served the purpose of God in his life and fell asleep. That's all we want to do in this life. Serve the purpose of God my whole life and then fall asleep because that's the only thing that matters. That's the only thing that counts. So after God knew you and God made you and created you, now he says, live your life for me. Let me search your heart and follow me. And David says that God is completely holy. Search me, O Lord, verse 23. Search me, O God. I know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there's any hurtful way in me. Change me. Make me holy. Make me spiritual. Make me like Rebecca, a servant. Make me like Miriam, a leader in Israel, caring for my people. Make me like Ruth, who only trusts God. Help me to live my life for you. See if there's any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. God searched. He found Yaman, us who believed. We need to do what Yaman did. We need to see, we need to believe, we need to receive Messiah, and then we have to live our lives for him, much like I've been saying, and much like I hope Yaman does for the rest of our life. God knows us, he's with us, he's working in our lives, he's changed our lives, and now he tells us to live our lives for him. Yaman should serve, love, and trust God your whole life. God will reward you and bless you. We, on the other hand, we should trust God's power to save us and live our lives for Him. That's what God asked for all of us to do. God wants her to live her life for Him. God wants us to live our lives for Him. Let's all bow together for a word of prayer. Father, we thank You for a special day today. We thank You, Lord, for this young, beautiful young lady coming here, saying the Hebrew prayers, and even more important than all of that, telling all of us that she believes in God, and even more so, that she believes in Yeshua, Jesus, her Messiah, that he died for her, and that she saw that and accepted it and put her trust in him. We ask, Lord, that all of us may be able to do that same thing. Though we look at a young lady up here and we think it's beautiful and cute. Hear the message. God knows all things. God is everywhere. God has all power to save us so that we would live our lives for him. 
We want to commit this day to you, Lord. We thank you for it. We ask your blessings because it's all because of you. Everything we do here today, you brought us here so we can worship, celebrate, praise you, and smile and give thanks for our faith in Yeshua, our Messiah. In whose name we pray. Amen.